0: Well, hello, everyone. It is so good to be with you guys. And I got to be honest, I hear that little bumper and I'm up here like, you know, you know, and uh, that's the extent of my dance moves, by the way, so don't ask for more. Uh, But it is so good to be with you guys. We've been in this fun series called Aha, talking about these moments that draw us closer and closer to God. And it's been uh, a fun series. It's been a unique series. So instead of what might feel a little bit more normal around here at Grace, we've been kind of walking through some of our stories stories and how God has gotten a hold of us and helped us have these aha moments so that we can have a clearer and more connected relationship with him where he kind of flips the switch on and helps us to see what it means to have a relationship with him or see him more clearly or see him uh, and be more close with him, whatever it might be. He does that uniquely and individually in our lives and it's been fun to walk through those things. But before we get into that, I got to be honest, as much as I've loved hearing from Pastor Jeff and Pastor Josh and had the honor of sharing with you guys last week, something has been bothering me about this series, and I, 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 I couldn't put my finger on it, and this week I finally did, and I realized these colors are broken, um, and so if you know what I'm getting at, you know this is, this is just wrong, and I can't believe Pastor Jeff didn't catch this, uh, and so uh, I'm going to have a conversation with him, but in the meantime, I fixed it, and so... Um, We, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, God has now forgiven us, and we will, uh, move forward appropriately. So, uh,. It's been a lot of fun And this this series has been good It's been good for me Because it's been good for me To reflect back on like How has God gotten my attention How has God helped me To grow closer and closer with Him And how does He continue to do that And I pray that no matter Where you kind of find yourself On the spectrum of understanding And knowing who Jesus is That God would use moments Like this weekend To kind of help pull you in closer And that He would flip some switches for you And that He would draw you you in so you can have that real and vibrant relationship with him. So if you had the chance to catch up from last week, if you were here or if you were able to catch up online, uh, you heard me talk a little bit about my story, uh, specifically my childhood and in and all the way through high school and how my fears and insecurities really were uh, turning me over upside down all the time and really had me in a bad place. Finally realized I needed to give my life to Christ and then how different um, my life has been, honestly, since that moment, since that weekend, uh, where God has become real in my life and helped me understand what it means to be connected with him truly. And so we're going to kind of pick up a part of my story right from there as I kind of uh, worked into college. And so we're just a couple of uh, months past my, my aha come to Jesus moment, and I'm headed into college. And I'm going to college really for two different reasons. Uh, you know, there's, there's apparently this studying thing that you're supposed to do in college And uh, I went to school to uh, pursue being a sports broadcaster Uh, I realize now that I have a face for radio And I thought why not go for that And just really run after a sports career Doing the color commentary uh, Or the play-by-play I didn't really care Just love sports Thought that'd be a blast And then uh, I actually went to the College of Worcester. I even grew up on Worcester Road in Barberton. Didn't even know that college existed until the football coach uh, called me up and said, hey, would you come play for us? And uh, the rest was kind of history. And so I did that. And so my first uh, stint in college was really just kind of class, practice, team meeting, study, repeat. Uh, over and over and over again, that's what I did. And I had a chance to uh, really, you know, kind of don the, the, the fighting Scott black and gold and, and go out there and play football. I I was an offensive lineman, shocker, uh, but I had a lot of fun uh, just pancaking other players and even early on had a good uh, kind of run at my football career. The first few games went honestly pretty well for me. Uh, I got to play my first varsity game just three weeks into the season of my freshman year. Had a fantastic game. The coaches are kind of drooling at this lineman, they, this prospect they have right there on their team And the very next practice after my very first varsity game, I tore my ACL. Okay, so that season's over, and so uh, I have to get the surgery, I start going through all the rehab, I go through all the PT, and it, in some ways it didn't bug me, because I'm like, well, I'll just get back up on my feet, I'll go through the motions, I'll, I'll go through the stuff, I got through the PT, my leg's feeling really good, the physical therapist is excited about where it's at, surgeon feels good, and then um, right toward the end, or right in the spring of that last semester, of my freshman year, I got Bell's palsy. And so uh, Bell's palsy is when half of your face is temporarily paralyzed. So this is not my Rocky Balboa impression. This is me attempting a full smile, okay? So half of my face does not work. Ah, ha, ha, funny. Some of you were saying like, would it ever get better? Uh, And so... Jerks. Okay, so, uh, but from this moment on, this lasted about two and a half to three months. Okay, where I just couldn't smile. I had to hold my lip up when I was drinking because it wouldn't move. I had to pinch my lips to suck out of a straw. Sleep with an eye patch because I couldn't blink. Eye drops all day. It was fun and uh, great with the ladies. Uh, and so, like, hey, how you doing? You know, it's just not didn't work out very well for me. Uh, and so, but this was kind of my reality, and all of that was kind of barreling in kind of at the same time. So football, blown out knee, trying to get back. Then all of a sudden I get hit with Bell's palsy. I talk with the doctor and I'm like, what's going on? Uh, How can I avoid getting this again? Because this is terrible. And I had read up and they told me that the more you get Bell's palsy, the longer it lasts each time. Like, how can I avoid that? And he said, hey, one of the things that triggers this is actually uh, hitting your head. I'm like, that's... Whoever hits their head when they're playing offensive line, like, I don't ever do that a hundred times a day on purpose, (laughs) you know, and so uh, trying to figure out what's my next step, and I'm here in college, and this is kind of my identity, Right? Like I had just given my life to Christ, but I thought now, well, surely this thing that I love, this thing that I love to pursue and play and do, that I've been kind of built for, like I'm in on this. God, surely you've given this to me on purpose. And it seemed like in a moment's notice, it kind of felt like He had kind of pulled that rug out from underneath me. And suddenly my knee is like, should I do this again? My face is like, should I do this again? And I made the hard decision after processing it with some loved ones. I said, I think I have to be done playing football. And that kind of rocked me quite a bit. Because again, that's pretty much the whole reason I went to this school. It's what I was even pursuing kind of professionally, even though that was just my voice. I wasn't sure what to do with that. And I want to pause for just a second. Because if you heard the part of my story from last weekend, if this type of event, if this type of decision would have hit me in high school, I don't know that I would be with you today. Like That would have destroyed me. Because back in high school, like football was one of the only things I could kind of hang my hat on is like this kind of feels right in life. Everything else, if, as you heard last weekend, was terrible. And so if that would have happened to me then, I, I don't know where I would have been. And I did know, though, that something was different. It's almost like I could sense that something was different inside of me, even though it seemed like all the logistical things in my life were starting to cave in around me a little bit. And so as I'm processing that, I had this like kind of gumption that like God somehow has me in this. And I kind of felt like even God was saying like, I know that this is not at all what you expected, but like I have something different for you. Well, as I mentioned, this is college, and it wasn't just football, I'm also taking some classes. And because of my new faith, because of my religious background, I kind of stumbled into a religion class. And so I'm getting into this class, and I'm realizing very, very quickly that there are a lot of questions, there are a lot of things that come up when regarding our faith that I did not have the answers to. And all of a sudden, as I'm sitting in these classes, I feel like I'm being asked these questions. I'm being challenged, I have to read certain books, different classmates in the class are talking about their perspectives, and all of a sudden, it's kind of rocking me a little bit, like, wait a minute, do I even understand what I've gotten myself into when it comes to the faith? And I was being asked questions, or again, they were asking questions like, how do we even know that the Christian faith is the right one? Aren't there a lot of religions out there, do they all kind of point to the same higher power at the end of it all, and how do you even know that you're right as a Christian? Don't all paths eventually lead there? What if Jesus didn't say the things that you think he said in the Bible? I'm like, I didn't even know that was up for grabs. And so like that really started to mess with me a little bit. I remember being asked the question, like how can you even trust the Bible? Look at all of its contradictions. Look how mean God is in some of these. Are you sure that we can, and I'm like, I didn't know. I just knew it was the holy book. Like that's kind of what I trusted. And that was started to mess with me too. I remember uh, being asked this question, uh, if God is all powerful, then certainly he can't be all good because there's all this suffering in the world. Or if he's all good, then obviously he's not all powerful and he's not the God that you says he is. And like that paradox felt unsolvable at the time. And so I'm like, what's going on? And so here I kind of have this like experiential path that is like collapsing in on itself about who I am and what I involve myself in. And then I kind of got this intellectual faith paradox coming in my way and questioning everything that I know and understand and I've get recently given my life to and I'm not sure where to turn because it seems like experientially life is falling apart where's God and all that and then intellectually I'm being asked all these questions and I have no idea how to answer them and yet it's as if somehow some way I knew that God was holding on to me It was like experientially I knew that despite all of this stuff swirling around me, something was just still right. Something was just still home when it came to trusting Christ. But I had no idea why. And so I really had to process a ton of stuff as this 19-year-old in college, as I'm facing these questions, as I'm figuring out how my life was pulling together. And then I remember even thinking through my past in church. And again, if you heard a part of last week, you know about my church experience, but today I wanna share with you about how, like, it was just hard to watch my grandfather be a pastor but not because of hopefully what you see when you're here at Grace, but because my grandfather kind of owned and controlled everything. So not only did he do the things that like pastors obviously do, like preach and lead the ministry, but he also was like the only one that was allowed to fix the boiler if it broke. Like he would fix it. He was the only one that mowed the lawn. He was the only one that would do the touch-up paint. He was the only one that would make sure things were clean enough after event. Like he did and owned everything. And I think, honestly, that that was out of his love for the lord and out of his love for the church but it's almost like he kept everyone else at bay at arm's length and wouldn't let them get involved in the ministry and i remember watching that and thinking through some of that baggage that i uh, unpacked last weekend and like i thought to myself i don't ever want to do that to the point that in this religion class my freshman year of college i wrote a paper that i would never become a pastor A prophet I am not, Uh, and so I kind of swore off, I will not be a part of like figuring out how to answer all, I don't know the answers to those questions, I don't wanna be anything like my grandfather, not in an insulting way, just knew that wasn't a path I wanted to go down, and I didn't know how God interacted, so I'm like, there's no way I ever wanna have the responsibility of being in those shoes and helping do those things. Well, as I'm processing all of these places in my life, I remember stumbling across a passage because, you know, when you're young in your faith, that's what it feels like most of the time when you're reading the Bible. is like you just kind of stumble across a passage. Uh, Most of us early on don't know where to start or how to read it or what we're supposed to go to. And I do remember stumbling across this passage in John uh, chapter nine that talked about this man that was born blind and I remember just resonating a little bit with his story because he was born blind, he, did not, he could not see from uh, his birth and so his whole life he kinda navigated uh, every day just not being able to participate in society. There was no way in that time, in that era for him to really do a whole, whole lot. Well, you fast forward to his adult life, and he has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus, the short version of this slide, is that he makes some mud with his spit, takes that mud, wipes it on his eyes, tells him to wash it off, and when he does, he can see this is ridiculously awesome, right? Like this is how did that happen and yet here's this man now finally seeing color, now finally seeing facial expressions, now seeing trees, now seeing birds, now seeing people's interactions. He is for the first time experiencing what that whole taken for granted side of most of our lives look like. He is now seeing what life looks like. But instead of most of the people in his life celebrating that, instead they're questioning it. Who did you run into? Who did this? How did that happen? What's he like? Was that the Jesus from Nazareth? Why did you do that? were you born for this reason? They pull his parents in. They start interrogating them. Is it, was he actually blind when he was a kid or was this some kind of charade? Was he actually, and they start, and they're like, we don't know. We're, sure, we're not sure. And they kind of throw him back under the bus because they don't even know how to handle it. And all of these questions and all of these interactions and all of these interrogations are coming at him. And eventually when they corner him again, he says, listen, Listen, I don't know much about this Jesus, but one thing I know, I was blind, and now I see. Like, I don't have all the answers figured out about this Jesus guy. I don't know what his background is. I don't know where he came from. I don't know what he believes about who God is. I don't know any of that, but I do know that when I interacted with him, I used to not be able to see, and now I can My life has been changed because of my interaction with Jesus and I so resonated with that. With all of these things kind of barreling in, life experience, everything being questioned, what I realized is one thing I knew is that I had had an encounter with Jesus. And that alone was a foundation for me that was firm footing as all of this was crashing down, it's why emotionally I didn't lose it when football was being stripped away from me. And it's why I didn't fully give up when all of these intellectual faith, spiritual questions started coming my way because I'm like, listen, I don't know how to answer this. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why all of this has changed. But I'm telling you, I had an encounter with Jesus and it has rocked me and changed me from the core. What I needed to do now was figure out how to build on that foundation. You see, because of my interaction with Jesus, it was worth it for me to start running after him. It was worth it for me to start exploring what would it look like for me if I could actually find some life and some logic to some of these questions that are being asked of me. Does God keep us in the dark about all of those hard questions? Does he help us to understand more and more of who he is? And so I started running after that. I actually even switched my major to religious studies. I gave up the sports broadcasting thing. I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life, but I need to dive into this fully. And I actually started doing uh, double reading. And so I'd be assigned certain reading from the classes and most of that were the types of readings that were trying to poke holes in my faith and all of these things. They were adding to this list of questions. And so I'm like, I gotta go figure out what are some of the answers to those questions. And let me tell you something. There are tons and tons and tons of resources built by people, put together by people that have a firm faith in Jesus, that have done the research, that have dove into the scriptures, that have helped figure out these hard questions and given us hope and answers that will satisfy so much of that curiosity. And so as I started to kind of read both ends, it started to build this foundation that actually helped me see Jesus so much more clearly. And suddenly, as these things were hitting me in my life and these questions were being asked, even more so, I was like, I had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus is incredible and I'm telling you, it's all good. Let's run after this. I remember discovering things like the fact that the Bible is actually one of the most reliable ancient documents that exist on the planet. That if you're gonna trust anything that's ever been written thousands of years ago, the Bible's the most reliable. That if you're gonna trust human witness and and eyewitness testimony about how things have happened, that the resurrection of Jesus, that someone being dead and coming back to life is one of the most well-documented events in history in terms of people witnessing a resurrection human being who was dead and is now alive again, and so on and so forth. These things continued to show themselves. I just had to keep running after it and digging deeper and seeking out who my God was. Now, as I looked at my faith, as I looked at my relationship with Jesus, as I started to examine all of these things, there was still a side of me that really wrestled with, but what do I do when people, when life, when questions interrupt this foundation. And as I was trying to think through that, I kind of thought through this illustration that I want to share with you guys a little bit. It's kind of fun, and I'll be honest, this is one of the most fun I've ever had preparing for a sermon. Um, I got to play with Legos. I promise I am an adult, but every once in a while, the kid in me comes out, and I got to build this character here that probably all of you know as Batman. Batman. All right, this is Batman, okay, if you didn't know, I don't know how you didn't know that, okay, but like this is Batman, and so I remember as I was building this, not only was I having some fun, my little girl uh, and I, she helped me build a good chunk of this, and as we were doing it, she's asking all kinds of questions, and as we got closer and closer to the outside of it, she's like, Dad, a lot of these, like, this is boring. It's just black. Like, where are the colors? Like, where are the things? And, like, to, like she started saying, like, well, we, maybe we could swap out some of the pieces. And, you know, so she thought for sure that, like, we probably needed to add Olaf to this because Olaf likes warm hugs, and so why not just snap him on there? Like, Batman needs Olaf, and Batman apparently also likes warm hugs. He doesn't. Batman doesn't do anything like that. But, hey, there he is. And then, of course, we needed uh, Captain America to be added to Batman because you can't just have DC only. You've got to add a little bit of Marvel to this, right? And so we'll snap Captain America right there on the top. And then um, we're going to put BB-8 on here because everything uh, lives, breathes Star Wars. And so we're just going to snap him right here on the side because that makes sense. Um, and then, of course we had this blue piece and my daughter's favorite color is blue and so uh, Batman needs a little bit of blue and so we'll just snap that here right there on the side because why not uh, and it connects so that must fit and then of course we have uh, Anna and Elsa's rowboat um, and so why not put that on here somewhere and we'll just kind of put this down here in case Batman needs to go for a little row. Okay and then all of a sudden we have this Batman. Of sorts that has all of these random pieces on it, and there 's a couple of things going on here. Uh, first of all, this looks ridiculous, and all of you can tell which pieces don 't belong, but at the same time, all of you can still see that it 's very clearly Batman, right like no one is like suddenly like, "Wait a minute, was that Batman? I thought Batman was there where'd Batman go right. Now you're probably catching on, and I'm about to relate this to Jesus, and most of you that have been around the faith for a while are like, is he about to say Jesus is Batman? Like, no, that would be blasphemous. But I will say, you've never seen Jesus and Batman in the same room. Just saying, there's a possibility. Okay, so anyway, I'm just kidding, that's terrible. Strike that from the record. Okay, so we have this Batman with all of these extra pieces on here. And I started thinking about how our faith is often we try to keep it right where it needs to be. But then all of these things start attaching themselves to who we are, to our image of who Jesus is. And if we're not careful, we leave them attached. And then we assume that all of those pieces appropriately represent who Jesus is. And so, for instance, just personally, thinking through a lot of those things that I was wrestling with, I'm like, for me, maybe Olaf up here was the fact that my ACL was torn. Like, apparently, God wants me to suffer. Apparently, God wants me to go through this. Apparently, God wants me to look a fool the second semester of my freshman year because he gave me Bell's palsy. He let me do this. And so I attach... Olaf to the top of Batman. I attach the fact that apparently God doesn't care if I go through all this suffering because that's apparently the Christian experience and so I snap that right on there. Maybe it's religious. I remember uh, when my uncle, who grew up in my grandfather's church as well, when he left the faith, when he decided I don't wanna follow Jesus anymore. I'm like, wow, you can grow up in the church, be a part of all of those things, and then all of a sudden just walk away from it? Is there something that I should be doubting or considering? And suddenly I'm slapping another piece to the picture. I remember when one of the leaders that I grew up with in college, one of the Christian leaders absolutely failed, just threw his life kind of into the gutter and all of a sudden his life was just marred with things we all know aren't healthy, let alone things that God doesn't want us to do. He disqualified himself from leadership and I thought, Is that what it means to be a Christ follower? And so suddenly I'm snapping that one on here and I'm like, okay, like maybe it's okay. I'm not really sure how to navigate that. I don't know what's going on, but that's now a part of my picture of who Jesus is. Maybe it's historical. Like I remember walking through the church history class and thinking to myself all kinds of things. Like, are you telling me that Christians, are you telling me that the church was associated or led the crusades that we were literally telling people all around the world, convert or die, like that's what the church was about? Do you think that's what Jesus meant? That's what, how is that even a part of our history? How is it possible that Christians, that churches would somehow back something like slavery? Are you serious? Somehow that's a part of the church history? Where did that come from? Somehow the church was a part of, and we can fill in all of our blanks when we look through history, like people that called themselves Christ followers did that? And those suddenly become more Legos that we're attaching. How can they believe that? How can they work there? How can they put that? And we're just attaching all of these pieces because they're somehow attached to who Jesus is. They're somehow attached to how we view his church. And all of a sudden, we're looking at this picture and we're like, this, this looks weird. This, this looks a little wonky. And then we fast forward to 2020, 2021, and we're watching people react to things and prioritize things, and does does being a Christian mean that you follow Trump? Does being a Christian mean that you follow this? Does being a Christian mean that you forsake this? Does, does being a Christian, and we're asking all of these questions, and all of these pieces just keep getting added on and on and on, and pretty soon we're looking and we're saying like, well, I mean, if you're going to follow Jesus, that's ridiculous, And we don't know what to do because similarly like i was in college we're like man my experience is adding these pieces and wow these are good questions and those pieces are on there and they're attached and we feel stuck and because we feel like we can't answer the questions And because we feel like it's so hard to justify what we're seeing, we're left with this marred image of who Jesus is and we don't know what to do with it. What I started to realize all the way back when I was in college and running after this stuff, running after, what does the scripture really ask of us? What did the life of Jesus really represent? What picture was the Old Testament painting? How did it point to our need and the satisfied life that was in Jesus Christ? When I started to really run after who Jesus was, what I started to realize is all of these things actually come back off. Jesus was heartbroken when my uncle decided to walk away from the faith. Jesus is disgusted with a lot of that historical stuff that Christians, that the church was a part of. The Crusades, he's not high-fiving us for that one. Slavery, no way. Doesn't matter if people said, I'm a Christian and I'm a part of that. Those were extra pieces added to who he was. Is no, 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 no. That's not who I am. You have to go back to the core of who I am if you wanna experience who I actually am. And what I started to realize was that Jesus was a stronger foundation than any and all of these questions. Jesus can handle it because it's not who he is. When I would recommend, when anybody would recommend you should run after Jesus, they're not saying you need to go after this. They're not saying you need to get on the rowboat. They're not saying you need to go after the random blue piece. They're saying you need to go, this one's really stuck, but that's kinda how it feels. You need to go after the person of Jesus, not the junk that other people add, not all of the complications that people are trying to put on to all of that experience. Those are imperfect people trying to attach certain things from their lives to the person of Jesus, but Jesus is a real being. He's a real, true, personal God. He's a real, true, human man that lives and knows who he is, and is knowable, and all of this junk that we keep trying to find a place to attach, he's saying, hey, that's not me. No matter how much you try to stick that to me, I promise you that's not what I represent. As I was praying through this this week, as I was trying to think through, like, why is it that this is even tempting? Why is it that we don't understand this fully because I wrestle with this all the time because we all see this. Just click on social media for a hot second. Just turn on the news for a minute. Just listen to someone's agenda for a, a, a moment and you'll see that people are attaching things to Jesus and his church all the time. And it gets to be a crazy image. When Jesus was teaching us how to pray There's a phrase in his prayer that struck me this week and I'm like, wow, that's incredibly insightful and helpful. Jesus says this in the middle of the Lord's prayer. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we slow down for a second, this is fascinating because we don't pray for things, at least I don't tend to pray for things that are already done. I'm not gonna put my head down tonight when I go to bed and say, God, would you please make sure that all the chairs in the room are gray? That'd be great. They are gray. I'm not gonna pray to God at night and say, God, would you please make these side walls blue? That would be so helpful. They are blue. Like, what are we even talking, why would I pray that? So Jesus is encouraging us to pray, your kingdom come on earth. Why would we pray that? Because that's not the current experience. When we go out into the world, when we leave our homes on a daily basis, when we log in to social media, when we turn on the news, when we get, all we get are all of these images about how the earth operates in a way that is not listening to the ways in which the kingdom of God would operate. All the time, all the time, depressingly so. We can't stand it. For some of us, that's what gets us riled up. Why can't we live the way that Jesus asks us to live? Why can't we value the things that Jesus asked us to value? Why can't we treat each other the way that Jesus asked us to treat each other? And we get so frustrated and so fed up and we're not sure what to do, but Jesus himself. So we got to pray for this because that's not the way that it is. You'll see glimmers of it. You'll see glimpses of it. He said the kingdom is at hand. It's right there. We'll see it from time to time, but our overall experience is let's keep praying and working toward his kingdom on earth because as it is in heaven, it is this way where God's completely in control, where every being there is saying, God, your will first. Everything and anything that you want, I'm in. That's what we're doing. There, it's done. There, it's already working. There, it's already fantastic. It's already full of peace and joy and patience and love and kindness. It's already perfect. It is there. God, will you make earth like that? God, will you help your kingdom come to bear here where it's not, like it is already there? Will you, God, start to help us see through the junk so that we can see clearly what actually is? Will you show us the clear picture of yourself? Will you help me to follow you, not the clouded image? Not the confusing things that we read about or that we hear about or that sometimes we wish were true, but will you help us see and follow you? Because you see, when things are lacking, we have hope in what's to come. Sometimes people are going to slap things onto the faith that have no place Sometimes I'm going to accidentally slap things onto the faith that have no place. Sometimes you're going to. So God, will you bring your kingdom to bear on earth like it is to heaven? Will you help me to see clearly who you are and what you represent and what you're calling us to? Because when we see him misrepresented, that's why we need to love. When we see him misrepresented, that's why we need to extend grace. That's when we can actually be a part of bringing his kingdom to earth and show what it would be like here as it is in heaven. What I started to discover as I was diving in, trying to get a clear image of who Jesus was, I discovered some things that I could know, that we could know, that could strengthen that foundation. Things like the fact that God loves me. God loves me like a father loves his son in the best of ways possible, in ways we can't fully imagine. Like God is the perfect father, he loves me and he wants to give me life. God knows what brings me life, and he also know what breeds death, and he's trying to protect me and keep me away from those things. When you say it like that, that's a no-brainer. God just happens to call that stuff sin. God knows what destroys us and what eats us from the inside out and tries to protect us from those and will forgive us from when we step into it, forgive us when it overwhelms us, and that's why Jesus did what he did, and we can know that, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We can know what love looks like and he wants to show us how to receive it and he wants to show us how to give it. We can know what forgiveness looks like. We can know what grace and justice and mercy can look like. We can know what life is and what life eternal is. We can know all of this and those foundations are key. That's the gospel. That's the good news. This is what we trust in Jesus, But our temptation, our life is so full of people trying to put pieces on to the image that we're not exactly sure all the time of what to do and that's why we have to keep running after the foundation of Jesus. A lot of times we think that people mess things up and we're not sure how they could be so hateful And we're not sure how they could be so mean to people that just don't see things the way that you do. And I would say, I agree. I have no idea why those people would be that hateful and still try to call themselves a Christ follower. That's a piece that doesn't belong. I have no idea why there are parts of our culture, pieces of our culture that seem so messed up. I would agree. There are parts of culture that are absolutely ungodly. Sometimes it's people trying to attach it to Jesus. That's terrible. We have to understand that the only way to see through all of the noise is to keep running after the perfect image of Jesus. I started to realize that other people's lives don't change the actual life of Jesus. Because that's the temptation, right? Our boss at work treats us a certain way. Someone has hurt us in our life. Maybe they've even abused us. We see these different scenarios that have played out historically, and it starts to create this doubt in us. And Jesus is saying, Guys, I don't like that either. That's actually another reason that I came and died for the sins of the world, so that this is who I am. This is junk. Other people's lives, no matter how they have failed you, do not change the life and the hope and the message of Jesus. He is who he is. He's able to stand on his own and he's calling the rest of us to join in with him. I realize that we struggle with this and that's incredibly important for us to remember. Because it's very tempting for us to see ourselves as good people and then point the finger outside of our circle and say there's all the bad ones. It's so tempting. It's so easy to slip into. Our ideologies, the fact that maybe we've, for most of us, have landed on who Jesus is. We feel correct in that. We feel a confidence in that. And it's almost like it can be this weird temptation where we just start going like, and y'all got this messed up. You don't understand how it really is. You don't see what you're supposed to see. And we start saying, I'm good, what's your problem? We don't say it like that. But we mean it like that a lot. We have to remember, let me rephrase that. What I have to continually remember is I'm a messed up person. Left on my own, I'm I'm serious. I'm pretty terrible. If I started ignoring Jesus, my life would go in a spiral that you might not believe is possible. My temptations can be very strong. It feels very easy to say, you know what, I'm giving in. We are messed up people. We were and maybe are completely desperate for someone to save us from our own self-destruction, from our own sin. We have realized that Jesus takes care of that and invites us to be whole, invites us to new life, And we have stumbled into, by the grace of God, something that is life-changing, not because we're good, but because he's good. And when we can remember that, I don't know about you, but I have a lot more grace when I see someone accidentally start clipping pieces on to the image of Jesus. Because I'm left on my own, I'm not that good. Left on my own, I don't understand everything. Left on my own, I I can't do it. And when I can remember that the only good that ever comes out of my life is because of Jesus, I'm willing to step back in and say, Jesus, I need to peel right back through these images and I need to see you again for who you are. Will you call me to something that is good and pure and life-giving? when we see a spiritual leader fall whether that's somewhere out there in the universal church so to speak if you would ever see a leader here at Grace fall our goal is not to ask you to follow us I don't don't want you to put your faith in me I'm not I'm not going to save you. If I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing well, I'm pointing you to Jesus. Like my, my role, my job, what I'm supposed to do, my role in the kingdom of God is to say Jesus is the answer. Attach your life to Jesus. Don't attach your life to me. A healthy church, a healthy group of people that are trying to follow Jesus, that's our goal. I I so desperately pray that each and every one of you would be connected personally to Jesus. You can talk to your creator. You can talk to your savior. Your life can be changed by him. You can tap into everything that Jesus has to offer. That's the beauty of what he's done for us. That's the beauty of that new life. Your spiritual leadership is just here to say, go after him run after him because personally I'm not banking on other people's representation of Jesus I'm banking on Jesus when I mess up and I try not to don't get me wrong I try to lean on Jesus as much as I possibly can but when I mess up I run to him and I want you to see me for who I am I'm a I'm a person who desperately also needs Jesus I'm not one of the good ones I've just been asked to stand up front from time to time we need Christ what's fascinating for me personally (laughs) I remember after wrestling through those questions in school and trying to figure all that out I felt like God was saying all that stuff that I just helped you walk through, your personal life kind of blowing up, you having to wrestle through all those questions, you having to navigate and process your past and figure out where your footing was in me, the fact that you've landed on all this, I'm calling you, I'm asking you to step into showing other people the same thing. And from the moment that God, somewhat ironically, somewhat with a laugh, called me to be a pastor, he read my paper. (laughs) And yet, he called me into this. My passion, I believe his passion for me has been help people find me. Help people put their foundation and their faith in me. Run after Jesus because we can tear it all down and we can figure out what belongs and what doesn't belong and we can put all of that away and then we can rest in the fact that we have found the picture of Jesus. We have found the person of Jesus and one thing I know and one thing I pray and hope we all know or come to know is that no matter what comes our way, the life of Christ, the message of Christ, the hope of Christ is the only thing left standing. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that gets us through. It's the only thing that will bring us to be the people that we've been created to be, it's Jesus. I pray that this weekend, wherever you're at on your faith spectrum, on your faith journey, that God would give you a personal aha moment and that he would call you to that next phase, that next level, that next season of understanding and richness and knowing him and knowing him personally. As the band comes out and helps us process this, I wanna challenge you, I wanna encourage you to maybe take a few moments And whether it's in your head or on a piece of paper or maybe in your phone, whatever, maybe write down some of the things that you've been attaching to your image of Jesus. Maybe pray, God, what are some of those things? Because maybe we don't see them and God needs to show us. But will you spend this time opening up your heart, opening up your mind to Jesus and allowing him to speak to us and calling us closer and closer to him. Will you pray with me? Father God, help us. Oh God, help us. It's so easy to attach all of this stuff onto who you are. It's so easy to start to wonder if those are the true images of you. But at the end of the day, you are a person. You are a personal God with opinions and heart and compassion and desires that we can lean into and know. Help us, Jesus, to lean into that. I pray for those of us listening that are online or in the room right now, I pray that we would allow ourselves to hear your voice calling us by name, saying, will you walk with me? Will you let me show you who I really am? Will you place your faith in the foundation that is Jesus and Christ alone? Thank you, Lord. Amen.